I'm going to bring up Corey and Isaac right now. And uh, Isaac, come on in here. Give Isaac a hand. He's one of our key staff people here. And Corey Pelly, as he was properly introduced here. This is good to have this man on board, isn't it, guys? It's so good. I'm digging it. It's, it's great. All right, uh, I want to give you some quick updates and a little heads up about what's happening with the rise. We've really got some tremendous things happening. In fact, let me just say this. Uh, you've already heard Julie say this. We are committed to our downtown campus here big time. Guys, we're leaning into this thing. We are not going to be launching anything in the Northwest until we have got critical mass and discipleship in motion. We're not getting the cart in front of the horse. We are committed to this. We're excited. We're going to have a shared leadership model, and uh, there's a lot of details about what God's going to be doing, but suffice it to say, you're in for a ride. When we get back at the end of the summer, we're going to have so many pieces in place, and God is on the move. There's some cool things already happening. I want to tell you that we've been acquiring just a little bit of um, Facebook posts that we put out, just putting links to signups for people that are interested in getting more information on a Northwest Burb plant. And they have to put down their name and their email. And so they're committing pretty solid to say they want more information. And we've got over 140 people that have already signed up for that, that which is a big deal. Come on, we can give it a cheer for that. Yeah. It's a big thing. It's a big deal. So we're excited about this. We're going to have discovery groups that are going to be out in the Northwest Burbs. Um, and we're going to have the first one is going to be July 15th at Be Bob and Bev Seifert's home. And I was originally thinking we might want to have 20, 30 people show up, but we're thinking now maybe 40, 50 folks that we're going to try to cram into their home and have a bit of a discovery meeting. But again, this is a comprehensive thing called Arise. When Joshua was being challenged by God to get up and go across the Jordan into the new land, I got to tell you what, before you put a toe in the Jordan, you got to get up. Yes, you got to get up off your booty and get ready to go. And that's what God's calling us to do here right now. And it's an amazing season that we're in. I'm just thrilled about it. Let me give you two slides that I want you to look at. One is Team Thrive. That is downtown right here. The whole slide's popping up. We've got four areas that we are focusing on big time right now. You're going to see that they're different from Team Launch. So Team Thrive is worship experience, caring connections. We've kind of rebranded that a little bit. As we were praying and seeking the Lord, it became very apparent to us that this is not just connections. It is caring connections. There is a hunger to be loved in this world like we have not had. I was interviewing York Moore a week ago. York Moore has 700,000 followers on TikTok. He's speaking at an evangelistic rally in Amsterdam that happens once every 10 years. I got chills right now. And I said, I want you to come on air and comment on Barna's new study that says 77% of Americans are hungry to learn about spiritual things. 40% post-COVID are more interested in God than they were pre-COVID, 40% lift. Guys, listen to me. Don't watch the news. Our God's the God of this city, and our God's the God who orients hearts of people, and we are going to minister to people powerfully. I can promise you that. So worship experience, outreach, caring connections, leadership, development. As Julie mentioned, Paul Hansen's coming soon, but I called him this morning, and I said, buddy, 
Charge your batteries. Spend this time for these next couple of summer months really getting rejuvenated. Be praying for a home for them. And, um, and they're going to be doing that. They're chomping at the bit to get here. Um, he's a proven leader who's got great ability to invest in people who then invest in others. It's making disciples of disciples, and it's going to be really sweet. So I want to flip to the next slide because this is team launch. I'm just going to hit this quickly. I already mentioned discovery meetings are going to begin happen over the summer. We've got families here that are hosting some of these. This is going to be great. Well, the first one, as I said, is going to be July 15th. We do not have a location. Isn't that great? We don't know where we're going. Isn't that great? Come on. Let's cheer for not knowing where we're going. Now, it's a crazy, you might say it's a crazy thing to praise God for, but we do because God's in those details and he wants to order our steps. Launch events are going to be happening, but not alone. We're going to have men's events that are going to be for, yes, downtown campus and northwest burbs. We are looking forward to really rallying men. And if men, you weren't here, not here last week, we are going to have all you men that were not here last week come down to the front after the service is done. I've got a quick word I've got to share with you, and I've got to get something into your hands that you weren't here for last week. So I want to get that to you. And uh, then our worship experience, that's kind of working simultaneous with Corey coming on board and, and what he's bringing here. I want to go back, though, to Team Thrive, because Team Thrive is downtown Chicago, not South Loop, downtown. We're reaching downtown Chicago, and we already know this now. We're reaching a lot more people than are just in the South Loop. And I know these are dog days of summer, but this fall, we're going to see... You're going to hear the Holy Spirit say, Katie, bar the door. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. I want to spike a couple of things here, though, around a worship experience and what Corey has rebranded the presentation team. All right. Can you tell we're excited about what God's doing around here? Isn't it awesome? What would you say, Carl? We're boots on the ground. And we are, and listen, on the worship team side, we're already working really hard, I got to tell you. And we're singing like there's a thousand people in here, because that's God's plan for us, is this place to be jammed with new folks coming in. So under the worship experience, for me, that's a part that I'm helping facilitate. Um, when you look around the room, you'll see all the setup, right? You see the sound. You see the chairs. How many of you enjoy the setup we have every week? The chairs, the sound, the lighting. We got a whole team in the back. There's a whole bunch of us that does a lot of preparation before you folks come in. And we've rebranded the name of that team a little bit. We're not the setup crew anymore. We are the presentation team. We got a little pizzazz to it because check it out. If you came to mine and Kelly's house, which there's some folks that have already been there, we need to get a few more folks over and visit. If I handed you a box of crackers and cheese and said, sit down and enjoy, that would be okay. But if, which my wife does really well, if she prepared a nice charcuterie board for you with the same stuff, just the presentation was a whole lot better. How many of you know the experience would be way more awesome, right? So that's really what we're trying to do. Uh, not too long ago, we not only had the set that we have up here right now, but we had a set that we used to do out in the lobby and 
people could hang out there after the service and it created a really warm inviting vibe that we want to maintain listen guys it's a lot of work to do it if only two or three folks show up it's a lot but when a whole bunch of people show up it gets the job done and we have fun doing it together and we had an amazing group this morning Isaac we had like 10 or 12 people here so we're gonna we're gonna organize it a little better so we don't burn everybody out you could tell we only got so many folks but here's what's happening for those of you who have been here week after week and you enjoy this set and you enjoy what we do at 180 we got to get ready for the folks that are going to be coming in the fall, like Carl's been talking, through Thrive and through Launch. So we need your help. Is that all right? So, hey, you might be sitting there today, and you might say, listen, I don't play music. I can't run a camera, but I'm dying to do more. Does anybody notice me? I do. I see you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get this organized. We're going to have team leaders that will lead a team once a month. We've already had one guy commit to twice a month because he's really passionate about the presentation team. And you can, you can come see me right after this service, and I'm going to get your info because I want to meet you anyway and hear your story. And you can serve once a week. You can serve you could serve once a month, you could serve twice a month, whatever you want, we'll take you. So come see me after the service. Presentation team, it's getting hot and happening around here. You want to get on it now? So let's do it. Come on, give this guy a hand. We got another guy here. Isaac has got a heart as big as a bucket for the things of God. And all the, all the, I think you got some love out there. All the, the all these cool graphics on the screen, all the designs, our branding, everything. And oh, by the way, we've got Arise t-shirts that are being ordered. I hope I was okay to say that. Can I say that, Ajit? That are, that they were the coolest design that the woman that took it in, who I know, she's she handles this wholesale and she gives us these things at a sweetheart deal because she loves the Lord, and I preached at her church in Scottsdale years ago, and God's knit us together. She said, I have never seen a shirt that is so cool as this thing. It is, I, I wish we had, we'll, we'll show it to you live rather than a mock-up. We'll see it in person. But this is the genius behind it. Give us a vision for what God's doing, bro. Absolutely. Um. If I know one thing, it's our Lord is a good shepherd. Can I, can I get an amen for that? <laughs> Everything that we do here at 180 is an opportunity to shepherd people into fellowship, shepherd people into worship, shepherd people into prayer. Um, we want to come alongside of you and help you. This is our ministry here in Chicagoland. Um, so one of the ways that we do that, if, if I might borrow your analogy, <laughs> um, he, pre he preps the charcuterie board and we help serve it. So um, yeah, we hand out the cheese and the crackers and the, and the meat and whatever. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, so uh, a lot of what, what it looks like to be on the media team is like running cameras, setting up lights, but it's, it's more than that. We get to join God and, and helping people feel like there's no barriers between them and God. Um, so. Uh, I know that there can be malfunctions like with the slides <laughs> earlier, um, but we're honored to be able to help shepherd you guys into that. Um, if you don't even have any experience with a camera or if you don't have any experience with like social media or graphic design, 
I'm going to be honest, I don't, I don't care. I, I just want you. I want you to be able to join us as we join, join God. So talk to me. I want to talk to you, and we'll get you plugged in somewhere. Um, and we'd love to have you serve. Good word. Good word. You know, let's huddle up. I want to pray this in. Lord, you know my brother's heart's here. You know our heart. We want you to bring forward the people that you want to bring forward. We are, I, I just, none of us like dragging people through knot holes of fences. It's not fun. So we just ask you to work in hearts. And Lord, if there would be two or three people that would step up today saying, I, I want to be used. Lord, would you shower them right now? with your presence and power and confirm what you're doing in their heart right now. How cool that your spirit goes to work even right now. And I thank you ahead of time. Give you praise. I thank you for my brothers here. Bless them indeed in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, give these yahoos a hand, would you? Well, we got a heavy-duty passage of Scripture today, so I want to set it up in a really clear way. I want you to know that summer Bible school in Alaska when I was a little kid in church was a really cool experience. We saw when God moves. We saw it. Now, I didn't follow Jesus during those years, but I learned a lot about Jesus. And by the way, I, want, I just got a prompted word here. I can't have too many of these today because I got a lot of notes. But this one I, I don't want to forget. There's a lot of you here and many of you watching that have kids that are wayward. They've walked away from the church. Some of them were never in Christ. Some of them were in Christ and they're derailed disciples. There's both of those. But I am a living testimony that when you're raised in the church and then God redeems your soul, he reaches back through all those years that the locusts had eaten and he reminds me, I mean, I had the scriptures coming to mind. I'm going, that's what that means. I want a candy bar for memorizing that, but now I know how that works in my life. Don't forget that, man. God's working. But summer Bible school, or as some of you down here call it, vacation Bible school, we called it DVBS. I don't know why, daily vacation Bible school, because I think we did it all summer long. It was learning and discovering and competing and experiencing things, some of them for the first time. One of the coolest things I had a chance to do was learn the power of fire. We had bonfires all the time, and I learned, as a young boy, I learned how to make fires, man. I was the one responsible for hauling in the wood and building the fire in the fireplace at home. And you have fires in Alaska about 10 months a year, for crying out loud. So fires we did, but one day we were at this camp up at Hal Farrar's cabin, a log cabin in the middle of Alaska. And they had brought along these pine planks, and I'm like, what's this all about, all these pine planks? And I'm a curious kid, so I kept asking, Hey, what's all these pine boards all about? And he, he said, hang on, you'll find out. And then they took these wooden handles and they crammed these like 
heavy-duty hanger rods in there. And then they said, we got hot coals here. I want you to reach out with those hangers, holding on to the wooden handle. Don't touch the metal. We're little guys. And you're going to start burning into the pine wood verses, one branded stick at a time for those letters. Oh, my goodness. We spent like two hours like just like burning wood like yes this is real man stuff branding verses into this wood it was one of the most cool things going in Alaska you're intrigued with fire because fire keeps you alive but in the word of God fire has a lot of representation in the summer of 1871 two women came up to Dwight Moody just down the street here and they came up to him and they said Pastor Moody we are going to be here every day while you're preaching and we are praying he said what are you praying for ladies he said we're praying that the Holy Spirit and fire would come upon you he was a little bit encouraged with that but as the weeks and months went by he grew a little bit irritated because he'd be in the middle of preaching and he'd see two ladies down there in the front praying for Moody. He's like, they don't think I have Holy Spirit fire. Well, the great fire of Chicago broke out, burned down this city. A lot of you know the story. The church was burned, houses were burned, people were displaced, and Moody went to New York to go raise some money. And as he was in New York raising money, he was walking down the street one day and he was overwhelmed with a sense that he needed to go find a place to just get alone with God. And he got alone with God. And in the life of D.L. Moody that was printed in exactly 1900, these are the words that he says. One day in the city of New York, oh, what a day. I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred an experience to name. I can only say that God revealed himself to me and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. I couldn't handle it. I went to preaching again. The sermons were not different. I did not present any new truths and yet hundreds were converted. I would not now be placed back where I was before that blessed experience if I should give all the world to me. It would be small dust in the balance. Springs to mind a very obvious reality, and that is, is it possible to be born again and to not be overflowing with Holy Spirit fire? And the answer is an obvious yes but God but God holds out before us the day today in this moment that we would be filled with Holy Spirit fire what happens when the fire of the Holy Spirit is truly at work in your life today we're going to take a trip through the fire Holy Spirit fire at work in the early church and that's why I've titled this message today, Holy Fire. 
Now, I want to set some backstory before I get into the meat of the text. Holy fire came down from God in Acts 2, as promised in Acts 1.8, ushered in God's great new movement. It was never to be a movement for people to have a come-and-see experience, but an expression of God's power and mercy for all who would believe, who heard the message of the gospel. It could not be bought, sold, or traded, just as Simon the Sorcerer, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, or as we're going to see in Acts 19, one of my favorite passages, the son of Sceva, Jewish exorcists who pretended to have the fire and one demonized man that they tried to liberate from the demons stripped those seven brothers naked and left them bleeding. In Scripture, amazing. The holy fire of the Spirit. And I crafted this for you this morning. Please hear my heart. Was not a toy to be played with or a ploy to make yourself greater than. It is a refining fire that creates in us a holy alloy of gold and silver, enticing to some but creating envy and jealousy in others as well. And there's really no middle ground. See, when the holy fire of the Spirit of God gets a hold of us, we are going to be a why in the road. There will not be ambiguity. One of the things that's real about the early church is they were so filled with Holy Spirit fire that when people encountered them, they could not be left ambivalent. Decisions were made. People either said, I repent and follow Jesus with 12 to 15,000 on one day and then thousands more, or they shook a fist at God, or they did as Saul did that we, we just witnessed a couple of weeks ago, that they stood as witnesses over the killing and the stoning of early saints. Yes, our brothers and sisters who went before us. Holy fire came down. And it is not a toy to be played with or a ploy to make yourself greater. It's a refining fire that creates in us this alloy, the combination of two metals. I'm toying with that word a little bit, the alloy of gold and silver, and it's a beautiful thing. I want to be very clear here that holy fire in Scripture is referred to a lot of things, but most often three categories, and I'm... I'm Getting, I know it's a mini message before I get into the meat of it, but you got to have this for background information or else we're lost as geese here. It's used first to purify. I want you to listen to what I'm going to read from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. If you're taking notes, look at it later. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials... See, there's going to be trials. Jesus promised it. They said, if they persecuted me, how much more so those who follow me? So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The holy fire that we possess by the power of the Holy Spirit actually purifies our hearts makes us pure but the other thing holy fire does is that it clarifies it clarifies 
There is both a dividing line here on earth and there's one in eternity. And we know this to be true, specifically even for Christians, because we know at the great white throne judgment, there will be a holy fire as we find. And by the way, I'm throwing this in for free. In Isaiah 6, when his presence filled the temple, we know that there were, was a fire there because he reached from the hot embers, says the prophet Isaiah, and his lips were touched. So there was a fire at the judgment seat and there will be at a great white throne judgment when everyone in this room will stand on your own before a holy God and you will give account for whether or not you bowed a knee before God or whether you went your own way, being your own God on your own terms. That day will come. It's a holy day. It's a fiery day. It's a real day. But there's also clarification that we have, not only for those in judgment of eternity, but even what we do here. Because in 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15, listen as I read this. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. I feel in my heart that some of you might be a little bit afraid at those comments, but we need not be afraid. The Apostle Paul is so clear and he echoes the words of Jesus. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. The fruit-bearing life and a life of gold and silver and metals that survive fires is not something that you can conjure up or create in yourself. It is only found by utter dependence on Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is an outflow of a humble person. Can I tell you that the older I get and the more I've lived, I've realized that the richest people, the ones that have the greatest riches and in eternity will be called blessed by our God are those that take one primary posture in life and that is a posture of humility. I've never known a great man or woman of God that is not born here. I've never known one, but I've also never known one that wasn't humbled before the Lord that God used mightily. Pray for me. Pray for me. One of the greatest, most aggressive, most daring prayers I could ask you to pray for me, Pastor Carl, is to pray that God would make me more and more of a humble man. The moments when I experience absolute humility before a holy God, I've never walked away disappointed one time. And when I say pray for me, I really mean that. The holy fire that we find in Scripture is often sold short, though, when we get to the New Testament. The reason that for some of you, me even talking about holy spirit, holy fire for you is like, whoa, you might be new here today going, whoa, 
uh, where does this go? I've been in places where preachers start off, start off mellow, and by the end of it, they're jumping over rows of chairs, man, and they're just like, whoa, and they're saying stuff that nobody can understand. I want you to hear me. Holy Spirit fire is clearly understood. And it's not the bravado of man. It's the power of God. Holy Spirit fire, holy fire. In the New Testament, its primary function is to evangelize the world. You might say, Carl, I, I didn't know that. It's right here. Let me read it to you in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Holy Spirit fire, holy fire reveals things for what they truly are. Holy Spirit fire, holy fire reveals, as we're going to look at the text this morning, four big things. Watch this. Holy, Spot, holy fire reveals, first and foremost, extraordinary unity. Extraordinary unity. At the end of this message, I want you to get a screenshot of this one slide. It's going to have all four of my buckets and points that we're going to have from today up there. It reveals extraordinary unity. And only the Holy Spirit can create it. In Acts 11, verse 19 through 30, look at the words we find here. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution, so there's a big persecution in Jerusalem, and arose over Stephen's stoning, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, very important looking at those cities right there, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus, to, to look for Paul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Did you know that? The first name of Christians came in Antioch, which meant little Jesuses or little Christ. Never before were they called that. And, and by the way, a little side thing here that you might want to enjoy is that the first church name, if a shingle could have been hung, it was actually called The Way. And it was called The Way, and in The Way were a bunch of people who were little Christs, and that's how they were identified. Now, I'm not sure it was an affectionate term that was given them, but that's what they were called. 
and there were a great many Christians. Let's go on to that next slide, guys. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Holy Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. By the way, do we leave room for God to speak words that almost read into the future events of things that may happen? It's not frequent, but I do believe it happens. You don't worship foretelling and prophecy. You worship God. You'll stay on better ground. Verse 29, so the disciples determined every one according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. See, they're out in front of the, the, the coming cresting wave here. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Holy fire reveals extraordinary unity. Now, I don't want to steal from what we're going to get into in chapter 13, but I got to get into it a little bit here. The church of Antioch was incredibly diverse. That's why there's extraordinary unity. We have here, if you're new here today, when the house is fuller than it is even today, this is great. For summer, I love you guys, man. This, you're leaning into the Lord. This is tremendous. But we have 19 languages spoken here. And I want to be this bold. I have been in churches where there might be three different languages of origin spoken that have a hard time with unity. I believe that although we come from diverse cultural backgrounds, what brings us together is the person of Christ as we kneel at the foot of the cross. The things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When we live in the natural man, we're going to get divided. When we live with a supernatural eye toward the things that are above, we can stay united. You see, we're going to learn from chapter 13 that the leaders are from five different countries. You ready for this? They're from Cyrene, Cyprus, North Africa. Yep, they weren't African Americans. They were Africans, okay? And Jerusalem and Turkey. Turkey, Jerusalem, North Africa, Cyprus, Cyrene. Do you know that all the leaders in the church that are cited in Acts 13, none of them were from Antioch. This was an intersectional town, much like it is in Chicago. Transient town. It was a great launching off point for God's church to begin. And boy, did it. Holy fire reveals extraordinary unity and you might ask the question well how is that born it's when the cause of Christ is bigger than even our own personal walks with Jesus Christ when the movement is bigger than the man or the woman Katie bar the door and by the way we all get healthier and better for it I know this to be true it was sweltering hot this day I stood in the infield. We're in Chatsworth, South Africa. I'm standing in one of the most beautiful stadiums that had been built by the West Germans at that time. High-tech sound system that could thump through the enormous stands. The track itself 
was one of the most incredibly high-tech tracks that had ever been laid in the world, and here we are in Chatsworth, South Africa. I have a unique team with me. I'm a track coach for, ready for this, Zulus, Indians, and coloreds. Coloreds is not a derogatory term. They enjoy being called coloreds. They wear it as a badge of honor. Coloreds are generally a mix between Afrikaans and Zulu people. Sadly enough, in the culture in South Africa, coloreds are on the bottom of the totem pole. Here, ironically, the coloreds, or those that are not of one racial group, they're almost celebrated more in South Africa than they're looked down upon much like the Samaritans would have been of Jesus' day. But here's what's amazing, guys. And this is what you got to get. It's so important. I inherited a team with great racial division. The principal of the school didn't tell me everything that was going down. We lived in a township called Marion Hill, and Marion Hill High School was one of the most diverse high schools in all of South Africa because it was plopped down in the center of coloreds, Indians, and Zulus. And he said to me, why don't you come be our track coach? Well, I didn't know hardly anyone else wanted this job. So I'm like, yeah, God, this is an answer to prayer. I'll be a track coach. First day of practice, Here's a group, here's a group, and here's a group. And they sneered at one another. They made fun of one another. I went home that day, I told my bride, I said, whoo, have we come to a mission field. And I started doing crazy things. We'd have them come over to our home, we'd talk with them. One day, one of the um, really cool little Zulu girls, she comes up to me and she says, uh, Excuse me, it was an Indian girl, actually, that came up to me and said, Hey, um, Pastor Carl, they called me Pastor Carl. They called me Coach as well. They said, Hey, uh, Coach, Pastor, could we, could we have a dance in your home? Now, I was newly born again, and I had just gotten freed from legalism that said that dancing maybe wasn't a good thing to do. Boy, did God set me free this day. I said, I'll tell you what, you give me 10 minutes to share the most important story I can give you, and we're going to have a dance. I got done sharing the gospel. We turned on a little boombox. We had a great CD that I still love to this day called Black Box Hits. Man, it was some pumping music. My bride's smiling right now looking at me. And we cranked that baby up, and we started dancing. I'm glad that house was built on concrete because, man, we were getting with the program. We got 50, 60 kids crammed into our living room, and I mean, we were shaking it like there was no tomorrow. It was awesome. The season went on. We had other things that would build some unity, but I stood there on that day the last day of our competition, and I watched our 10,000 meters runners first and second. I saw our 100 meters first, second, third. I saw our 200 meters first and third. I saw our 400 meter relays first, first, first. I saw every one of these events go down, 
and our multicultural team starts grabbing their trophies, going up into the stands, and the music is thumping at this huge stadium. There's teams from all over South Africa, but I looked up and I began to cry because I saw my team, not in three groups, but one unified group, arms around one another, swaying back and forth to the music. Here's what I want you to know. As the music pulsed through the stadium, this uncommon sight was unfolding before my eyes. Locking arms, dancing, cheering. My track team stood as one that day. Trophies lined the bleachers. Racial animosity faded like a mist. And unity reigned supreme. Because the movement was more fun and more important than individual achievement. I beg you, let the Lord Jesus Christ change you. He loves you as an individual. He wants to meet you at your deepest, darkest needs. Some of you came in with shame. Some of you are carrying pain. Some of you, you want the Lord to work in your life. Let him work in your life. But know this. When the movement becomes greater than even your individual growth, we will do things that will get this world's attention. You know what a rise is? It's a call. Not to the celebrity of a few, but the unity of many. A movement to the glory of God. Holy Spirit fire that purifies God's kids, evangelizes the lost, and unifies us without respect to individual achievement. Everybody talks about unity in the body of Christ. Only holy fire can make it happen. Holy fire reveals whew, theme shift, inhumane cruelty. Inhumane cruelty. Look at chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Whew. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Whoa. Hey, me killing him made these guys happy. Get me, Peter. Let's go for the big tuna, man. Let's kill the big boy. And when they had seized him, they put him in prison, delivering him over 
to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. Now the story goes on. Some of you might know it, but before we go any further, just know this. Inhumane cruelty is real. And when there is holy fire, it does create a why in the road. And this is a hard one, but this is the reality of the gospel. When you are walking in the fire of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't leave people ambivalent. They don't come to the Y on the road and just sit down. They'll either go with you or they will go against you. That's the story of the book of Acts. You know what? got a story here December 30th projecting the Christian persecution was set to increase in India and other parts of the world in 2023 came out December 30th do you know what happened this year in India you've heard it from Moses he's been up here in Manipur Christians are losing their homes they are being killed they are being tortured Christianity Today ran an article here just a few weeks ago. And in it, they quote someone as saying, the violence has shattered us and our children. It's a story of a young couple who sat with their children in the bushes while marauders went through their town burning cars, burning homes, burning everything that they owned. 65,000 people at least are displaced. Right now, our brothers and sisters in Christ are without homes. Right now. And then, this is not political, this is spiritual. Prime Minister Modi, a couple of days ago, came to D.C., he never takes questions at pressers. And he took two questions, and then he cut them off. They were questions about human rights. His statement is, we are the most free and democratic nation you can imagine. We make sure that everyone has their human rights. We live in a world today when real news does not jive with fake news. We know what's going on in North India. We know what's going down. We know what's happening. And so sometimes you look at things that are going on that you know in your hearts is just absolute craziness. But you see a world today that is delusional and doing things, and I know where I'm going to go right now. Might get some of you like, whoa, I can't believe he's going to, I'm going to go there. I hadn't planned on it, but I'm going to go there right now. My homeland, Sweden, was one of the first countries to introduce transgenderism. They, along with every other European nation now, have absolutely recoiled from any kind of therapeutics, surgeries, operations, or anything for minors. Why? Because these surgeries and these therapeutics are irreversible and causing great harm in the lives of children to assuage some pick and worldview that for 
at least 200 years in America, we saw it as dysphoric, needing treatment from professionals. We've got adult people who shouldn't, it's, it's just as plain as my hair is red. Thank you for that. It used to be brighter, so I don't know what to call it anymore. It should be as clear as clear can be. Here's what I want you to know, and I want you to be so careful with this, because we're going to get into it in the fourth point here in just a moment. Be not amazed when what is reported as fact, and we have empirical data going galore, is absolutely ignored, and they say, eh, everything's good here. Everyone's happy. In a moment, you're going to see that we need to get out of God's way. We don't need to go get justice. We need to walk justly. And those are different. Third thing, miraculous deliverance. I'm going to fly now. Miraculous deliverance is one of the most powerful realities of holy fire. Look at this, verses 5 through 17. Pop it up, guys. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. By the way, only those who are absolutely secure in Jesus can be asleep the night before you're about to get slain. Bound by two chains and sentries were at the door guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And when he went out and followed him, he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real. He's sleepwalking, guys. But thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left them. Next slide. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people were ex that they were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door at the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer, recognizing Peter's voice. In her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Wow. 
Listen to me. Miraculous deliverance is the reality of holy fire when the Spirit of God is on the move. The thing I love about the church then that gives us great hope for myself and you is that they were shocked when God moved. Can we just all admit it? Sometimes we're shocked when God moves. Come on. Come on. We're kind of sometimes like, whoa, God moved. Peter's at the gate. Do you believe God hears your heart? I do. I was a little guy in Alaska, and my dad was going to Seattle to be at a conference. I didn't say a word to my dad, but I knew my dad was for me. And Nike had just come out with a brand-new tennis shoe. I think it was called the Cortez. Oh, yeah, big red stripe, white leather, built for speed. And I just, in my heart, said, God... Be so cool if dad could bring a pair of those home. Forgot about the prayer. Dad got home from the conference, sitting in the living room. We're talking about the conference. He said, oh, by the way, Carl, I got something for you. And he pulls a Nike box from behind his chair, and he goes, here's some tennis shoes I got for you. I just started to bawl. I said, Dad, how'd you know? He said, I just knew, Carl. Our God knows. Our God knows your heart. He knows your need. And our God wants to move. And sometimes we do not have because we do not ask. ask you don't know what kind of showers from heaven might be coming your way I'm going to move on this last one holy fire reveals holy justice ooh this is brutal look at verses 18 through 24 now when day came there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter Doesn't that sound good, guys? Just soak that up. Father, rain down on us in this church just like this. Father, rain down on us in this church just like that. Now when day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries in order that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat. I've been at this very place where he would have sat in Israel. Took his seat upon the throne and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God, not of a man. 
and he should have corrected them. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied. Let me tell you, holy fire reveals holy justice. The church's work is to do justice, not to adjudicate injustice. God is not unaware of injustice. He is fully able to deal with injustice. You know what sometimes God is calling us to do? Get out of my way. Get out of my way. Vote run for office, do all that stuff, but more than anything, let the holy fire of God's Spirit dwell in you. We walk justly, but we let the Lord ultimately sort out all injustices. I had a man tell me one time, let me tell you how to deal with the pain in your life regarding a betrayal. He said, keep your head down, your mouth shut, stay out of God's way. This brother was right. Close your eyes. In this moment today, I want to ask you, are you ready to let the refining fire of God purify your heart today so that you will stand strong in the fires of adversity tomorrow? You say, Carl, I want to do that. How do I do it? Just invite him in. Ask the Lord to come in power in your life. Humble yourself under his mighty hand right now. He'll lift you up. I want you to look at the screen. Let the refining fire of God purify your heart today so you will stand strong in the fires of adversity 